We, we've been in this comeback series for, this is our third week this week. If, you, if you're just jumping in today, thanks for being here with this comeback series. How many of you been enjoying it so far that have been here? Man, it's been great. All of our messages are online at oscconnect.com. You can go watch any of them or listen to them. And really cool, we're now videoing our services. And so you can watch it now, which is really cool. Um, but just glad that you're here. How many know when you walk into those doors, you know, everybody walks into these doors differently. When you walk into these doors, some people walk in and you're just at 100%. I mean, life's good. Everything's great. Your marriage is doing awesome. I mean, you're so full of Jesus. Like you're praying for people in the foyer. I mean, just everything's good. And there's some of you that are walking in these doors and you're running at like 4%. Come on, how many of you know what that is? You've been blindsided. Uh, you don't know where you are, which by the way, you're at our Savior's Church. Um, you don't know where God is. You don't know what's been going on. Uh, you've just faced some stuff. And the fact that you you walked into these doors is a miracle in and of itself. And But you're here. And how, many, how many know what that's like? How many know? You just, you drug in, you got here. And, and you know, represented in this room, there's those in here that are in the high 90s. Life's going great. Everything seems to be clicking. Work's going good. There's those that are in here that are at 12%. Some are, some are at 20, some are at 50. You know, but what I love about the church, though, more than anything, is you can walk into these doors and you don't have to be 100%. You don't have to be. You know why? Because we come and we gather around the one person who's always at 100%. His name's Jesus. And so if you walked in here at 2% or maybe in the negatives, um, th- don't, don't worry. You know why? Because we're here going to celebrate and we're going to see... The man who does 100% because he gives 100% all the time. And, and I love that. And, you know, the Bible says for us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And for those who are at 3%, how many know it's hard to, to really rejoice with those who are at 98%? Because you want what the 98% has. But the Bible tells us we need to rejoice with those people. Man, we're excited for you, excited that you're in there. And then those who are at 98%, the Bible says we need to weep with those who weep. Which means when you see somebody who's at 6%, that you come alongside them and you say, I know what 6% is like, and I'm here. And I'm gonna, come on, how many of you know? You need somebody to walk alongside you and go, hey, this number can go up. You don't have to stay at 6%. You can come up. And, and so that's, that's really what this is all about. This is what church is all about. No matter what percentage you're at when you walk in here, Jesus can meet you right where you are. And you're going to hear stories about that in just a minute. You know, the day that, that we got rushed to the hospital with Joel, uh, January 2nd, 2013. We'll never forget that day. Uh, we're, we're sitting there in the hospital. We just got news that our son was, was having in the midst of heart failure. They didn't know how long he was going to live. Everything was looking really bleak. My mom flies in from Lafayette. I'm sure going 110 miles an hour on the I-10. Gets to Lake Charles, walks, in, walks into the ICU and hands me a card. The card's about a little 4 by 6 index card. She hands it to me and she says, your grandmother wants you to have this. How I many know when your grandmother wants you to have something, you say, yes, ma'am. So I grab that card and I look at it. And on that card is this verse. When we throw it up on the screen, this says this. She crossed out the word I and she put Joel's name there. And so it said, Joel will not die, but live and declare what the Lord has done. Come on. And so, I, man, I took that to heart. And actually, I still, this is the card. I keep it in my Bible. I mean, you know, our family's living on this verse even now. I say this verse, though, not just for Joel, though, because I believe the stories that you're about to hear is this exact verse. You know, these stories you're going to hear, there were opportunities for these people to die. Some of them physically. Some of them for their marriages to die. Some of them for their faith to die. But how I many you know God gave them a comeback, just not so that they would live, but he gave them a comeback so that they would declare what the Lord has done. And so today you're about to hear in just a minute these stories. And I want you to know these are stories of what God has done. It's, it's not just their stories because how many know we are a people of comebacks? Everybody in here has got to come back in some way. And so I want you to do this. Would you help me with all that you have to give an upfront encouragement to the people that are coming up? Five, Martha, Billy. Come on, let's give it up to them as they come forward. Come on, people, let's go. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Yes. 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 
You know, we're talking about 100%. I don't know, I mean, especially with uh, Five and Billy. How many know Five and Billy, like on a bad day, is like 98%? Y'all know, I mean, if y'all know these two, two cats, they, they're always at, they seem like they're always at a high, a high number, even though we know it's not the truth all the time. But uh, always at a high number and, and, and just full of life. And, and uh, it's been encouraging to have. Uh, Five and Martha and the, the whole Palfrey crew and then the night crew here. Yeah, let's give it up for them. That's called family. Hey, when we say Palfreys, you scream and you say, okay, so this one. So, so we're glad you're here. Thank you all. Hey, you know what? It takes a lot. It takes a lot of boldness to get up here and to share what they're going to share. And in just a minute, Billy's, Billy's done this once already. So, I mean, this is a... It's not getting easier? No. So I, I just want you to, as, as a people, just to know, I mean, how many of you know you, you, you would be tongue-tied to have to stand up here and share some of this stuff? You know, it's a lot harder to share failures than it is. Everybody wants to share the successes, but to get up here and to share your failures and share really where the enemies brought shame um, is, is, is very difficult. And so first off, I just want to say I'm proud of you guys. Thank you all for stepping up and, and, and really doing this. And I believe God's going to get a lot of glory today. Um, but let's start with five and Martha, uh, five and Martha, you, you guys were high school sweethearts, right? I mean, she, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. pretty much. I mean, she she couldn't resist. Could she? No. Yeah. I could see why. (laughs) So you guys have been married for 12 years, 12 years. Were you looking to her to see? Okay. No, I, just, no, I remember. You knew. All right. I, I definitely remember. But you've been together for 17. Yes. You were how old when y'all met? Uh, 17. You were 17 and you were 15. 15. Nice. Awesome. So childhood sweethearts. Uh, I know both of you guys had different things going on in your childhood. Five. Why don't you share a little bit about us with us just about. You had a really unique relationship with your grandmother. Yes, yes. And so, why don't you just share just just what that kind of that relationship, how it was a pillar pillar relationship for you, and why it was, and all that. Well, honestly, honestly, I had that mic close with my sister right there. I don't know if she's gonna get mad about it, but I think I was probably my grandmother's favorite. (laughs) No, not at all. I I I think I was, and uh, she was she was a. Grandmother, a mom, and a dad all wrapped in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, taught me how to be a man, even, you know, because I didn't have my dad in my life. Uh, she, she taught me a lot of things, you know, how to be a stand-up guy, how to take care of responsibilities no matter what. Uh, stand up to everything that goes on. Uh, don't uh, chicken out of, out of things. You know, uh, be a man. If, if you're done wrong, admit to it. Mm. You know? She was a real great woman. Yeah. That... Uh, Unfortunately, she left us a couple a uh, year and a half ago. Yeah, you know, that really uh, took a toll on my life. Which we'll get to that in a minute because that was kind of a turning point. Yeah, when that was. when that when when she passed away. Martha, uh, tell us a little bit your, uh, of your childhood. You you kind of went through some rough patches as well, but uh, uh, yeah, um, we had a, kind of a rough childhood. Um, Mom and dad, uh, they divorced when I was 16. Um, my mom, you know, did her thing, and dad was trying to keep us together, and um, it just didn't work out. So um, at 16, um, they split up, and that took a toll on me because I had to, she left, and so I had to step up to the plate and take care of my sisters and brothers. And um, at the time, I, ha- I was pregnant for Keelan also. So I was taking care of mine and sisters and brothers and while my dad and five worked. And um, so, yeah, it was rough. I missed, uh, missed out on a lot of things. And So you told me because when we talked earlier, you are saying because you kind of moved into more of a adult role at such a young age you dealt with a lot of anxiety yes um i dealt with a lot of um anxiety and depression more than anxiety um the walls just started to close in on me i i felt like i was dead i wasn't even alive anymore um um i didn't really want to draw it it got to the point where i didn't want to leave the house home was my comfort zone um 
leaving, going out of town, any that all it made me so anxious. It, it overwhelmed me. So, uh, you know, and five and the kids suffered. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, y'all's marriage was pretty good a little bit for the most part on the front end. You guys lived with your dad for a little while. Yes. Right? Had Keelan was born. Yes. Um, and then we had uh, some other other babies come along as well. Then you guys kind of went through some rough patches. There was some stuff that went down between both of you guys where both of y'all were communicating with other people some rocky times of the marriage. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it all, it kind of started with me. Well, it, it did start with me. It wasn't no kind of, but uh, it started with me. I just, I don't know, it was just devil. That's the only thing I can really say, but things happen. not proud of it. You know, uh, and, and, and it all started with that, and it kind of not really, it, it snowballed, you know, through both of us and uh, led to some things we shouldn't have done. You yeah. know, in our marriage, you know, but it it, it all worked out on the end. Yeah, yeah. So that happened on your side, and then that, I'm sure, being that happened on his side, then begin to, you begin to crave. Yes. Um, after I had Mia, um, I was just going through something. I um, I felt just alone, the um, insecurity, alone, just. You name it, it was there, and um, felt like I was searching for something to fill a void inside. And um, and I had stepped out of, on our marriage, and um, it actually started off just a conversation. It escalated, and um, you know, never thinking that that's that, that was the intention. It was uh, if you know, just everything that was said. It felt so right at the time. It you know, um, but it just turned into something. Um, that I didn't want it to, and then uh, I had an affair. So there's the shame that comes with that, of course, beating yourself up because you know about it, but five doesn't know about it. Exactly. And that, and that was for how long? That was that was for about a year. So that, a year um, that you hid. What did yes, happen? Yes, I, um, I hid that, and it just kind of. Um, the guilt was there. There was times I'd just sit there, and I, I mean, he'd be sitting in the recliner, and just wanted to come up my mouth, but I didn't know how to do it and what to say. Um, and it just happened about a year afterwards that someone had said, you know, some yeah, somebody had showed up and uh, said that they had heard that I was talking to this person and this and that. So you know, I was like, okay. Well, I went ahead and I told him, and I thought, well, I'll just tell him that that's all it was. Well, I tell him that, and he's like, oh, you know, we can get past this. But at the time, a guy gave him some tickets. We were going to the Saints game um, when he was coming home. So he got home, and I was just in tears. He's like, what's wrong? I'm, so we're going to talk on the ride there. And I felt like, okay, God, this is your opportunity. You open that door. I can't live like this. I'll take the chance of losing my family, but I can't live with the guilt anymore. And it was one of the hardest things that I had to do. But I knew for me to move forward that I had to do it. And I told him, and it hurt him tremendously. Yeah. yeah. So you come clean in 2011. And then 2011, 2012, 2013 are really some dark, some yes. dark time for you guys. Um, you're not, not in church. No. Um, your cousin gets killed five in that in that time period and then you you kind of turn to other things to start feeling better and and uh, kind of dealing with some of the stuff that's going on yeah uh drinking well I, I did some drinking uh you know i sit down at home you know got to the point where i was sending my 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 son my youngest son to fetch me beer every time i needed a beer you know uh and then once I got around some other people that I, I kind of got in my head and started doing things like steroids and, you know, thinking if I work out and get a whole bunch of muscles and stuff, it'll make me feel better, you know, or whatever. So it, I done, it got to me doing a whole bunch of things I shouldn't. Yeah. And then I uh, 
by her telling me that, I was so insecure on everything that I'd done, you know, and so I had to just, it, it, led, it led to me stepping out on her again. You know, um, started with some talking, yeah, you know, and it just led to things that shouldn't have never happened. So in the meantime, though, you're kind of spiraling downward, but Martha, you're kind of, you, you have a turning point that happens. Yes, because um, in November 2013, um, I was I was really walking through a depression at that time, and I, I said, there has to be something more than this. I, I, you know, I, I just can't keep going like this. We've been together for all these years, um, you know, all the stuff that we walked through, and these are the promises that we made each other when we got together that, you know, we both had a rough childhood, that we promised that we were going to live a better life for us and our kids, and I said... I just remember thinking, like, there got to be more than this. I, you know, I can't keep going like this. And so I came to church, and I surrendered my life to God. And um, I said, you know, uh, the flesh in me had told myself that if this ever happened with me and him again, I'd walk out. Yeah. But I surrendered to God, and God's like, you're going to fight. Hmm. You're going to fight this war for your family. You know, you're. this is not going to be a generational curse where going to go through a divorce and all no we're going to fight and um i really just uh surrendered to god and let other i really reached started reaching i was a very closed in person and once i did that i realized that i had to reach out to other women in the church to where they could help me walk my walk and um speak life into me so i could um pray and uh fight for my family and that's what i did i so you surrender to God. God starts really doing some amazing things in your heart. You you start fighting, but nothing's happening with five. Actually, everything's <clears throat> digressing. Yes. So you're getting saved. God's doing great things in your life, but five's running. And he's he's going hard at away from God. Yeah. And um, so he's offshore and, and sends a message to you. And what is that message? Um... So that's okay. So we go into 2014, and um, yeah, it was uh, we did life group and all that. Yeah, it was the summer of t- 2015, and um, he, he sent me a text message. And 14. It was 14. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah, he sent me a text message and uh, told me that um, he wanted a divorce. He wanted out the marriage, and it totally confused me because the week before that he sends me this message and tells me that. He loves me and that me and the kids are his world. And I'm like, okay, this, where did this come from? So, um, uh, I, instead of being the old me, that would have been just like whatever cursing, hollering about it, begging him and all this. I was like, I, I see, I went and I just seek God through this. And, um, I reached out, I reached out to, um, the church. I reached, I reached out to pastor Bubba and, um, Allie and Mikey, uh, Miss Tracy, just um, a lot of people to round up just to fight with us um, and pray and um, pray for five. And um, I just really just prayed for him. I just really um, spent a lot of days in my prayer closet praying for him that he would come to God. Now, you told me something that Miss Sharon, is Miss Sharon there? I don't know if Ms. Sharon's here. You told me something Ms. Sharon told you when you told her that five wanted a divorce. What'd she tell you? Um, yes, we were, um, I came up for, pray- for altar, to the altar for prayer. And Miss um, Tracy and her were praying over me. And uh, she, I told her, I said, he's leaving and um, he wants out. And she said, that's what he says, but that's not what God says. <laughs> and so... In the meantime, though, what's going on is, Five, you're coming to church, though. I mean, you were you were coming here. It wasn't like you were running and weren't here at church. You were here at church. Y'all were going to life groups. Um, I mean, y'all were somewhat connected as far as here, but nobody knew what was going on underneath. Oh, no. You you, you definitely, if you know how to hide stuff, you definitely can hide it. You know, uh, I was definitely, I had that mask on making it seem like everything was good and great. You know, but inside it wasn't, you know. If you get to our house, you know, our our life was in turn oil and 
kids were seeing what, what was going on, kids start acting out, you know, so it was like, yeah, we definitely was coming to church, but we was, we was hiding real good. So you had a, uh, you had a moment with Mike Jardell, who's here, and he told you something that turned your world kind of upside down a little bit. What, what did he tell you? As a, as a man, when Mikey told me that, it, it, it hit me hard, you know, because I love my little girl to death. That's my little angel. Tell him what you he know, said. What did he, he say? He said, would you want another man tucking your little girl in at night? Like, when he said that, it, it kind of like, no, oh, nah, oh, Lord, Lord. <laughs> you know, that is... That that is definitely not happening, you know. Uh, mm. And that that right there just opened up a. It opened up something in my eyes that I'm definitely didn't want no another man, putting my little girl to bed at night, you know. And so, your grandmother passes away. <laughs> yeah, that a, was. That was. That tell was, us what happens, kind of in that season. Um, she had a. She had been on hospice for, what, eight months? And the doctor had told her we was going to send her home to make her comfortable. And it wasn't eight months before she, she God finally just took her. And uh, it, was, it was tough. It was super, super tough because there was, there was one of the people that I can actually go to <clears throat> and tell her everything was going on. Um, She'll probably tell me, hey, boy, this is what you need to do. You know, she get on my butt, she'll be like, you know, it's going to be okay. But uh, two days before she uh, before she died, me and uh, Martha went visit her. And she was, uh, Martha said, I'm going to hurry up and run to the store, go get something. And then uh, we have to get back home before the kids get off the bus. I don't know, we had football practice. No, no, it was summertime. We had base Katie had baseball practice, so uh, mm-hmm. it was in August. It was in August. Whatever yeah. it was. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Mar- Mar- Martha, Martha leaves and she goes to town, and uh, me and my grandma sitting there talking like we always do. I'm asking how she doing. She asked me how I'm doing. She told me. She said, "In, in my grandma, everybody had to know how she was." When Martha left, she said, "You see that white girl right there." <laughs> <laughs> She said, she said, I love her, yeah. I said, yes, ma'am, I love her, too. She said, I'm going to tell you one thing. Ain't nobody else in this world going to love you like she love you. Wow. She said, I'm the only one that's going to love you, but she said, ain't nobody else going to love you like she love you. And the, the craziest thing, and my grandma been dead for over a year, and I told her maybe about a week, two weeks ago. It's the first time I told her. After the day she died, I'm sitting down in my recliner, and uh. No tears coming down, I'm crying. She, she come and she grabbed me, she hugged me. She said, I'm going to be the only woman that's going to love you like your grandma loved you. <laughs> Whoo, boy. <laughs> <laughs> talk, about, talk about touch the heart. It, it brings tears to my eyes, not just thinking about it, just knowing that this woman is going to love me like my grandma loved me. And this woman loved me more than anything because I was the favorite. <laughs> but, uh, so you, in that time, God's starting to slowly turn your heart back to your wife, but he's also turning your heart back to him, and he's starting to do something in your heart in a, in a major way. You said you had a kind of a, a moment with the Lord on your job site. Yeah, I was, uh, it was, a, and, I, and I remember it perfect. It was a, a Saturday, and... I was on a rig. The rig had went to the yard. We was doing some some work to go to another job. And by me being a crane operator, I had to get some groceries on the rig. And I'm looking for a forklift. And guy, one of my, my bosses come out. He cursing. And, you know, every curse word in the book. And I'm looking at him. And now this is driving me crazy. My grandma died. I'm thinking about her. And it's just a whole bunch going on at one time. And... Uh, and, and I just told her this, and I don't like to tell her stuff like that because she kind of, she's, she freak hot. <laughs> and uh, I say, it, it, and, and it was constantly in my head that day 
when he hollering and screaming, I'm thinking about my grandma and emotion. And I thought to myself, if there's some kind of way I could kill myself right now, I probably would. And I was so frustrated, so aggravated that day. Whenever I got off of work, I didn't even call her. Took a shower, I ate, lay down in my bed. I start, and, and, and I would never read the Bible. I always carried it with me, going back and forth to the rig, but I would never read it. So that day I just happened to lay down in my bed and just open. I just opened it and it happened to be in Revelations and I just start reading until I fell asleep. And then went to work the next day feeling great, feeling good. Uh, talked to her that Sunday night. And uh, she was telling me, man, about church, man. Church was great, man. Blase, blah. She, she explained it to me what, I, I don't remember, it was she old pastor Bubba that preached that day. And she explaining everything to me. And then uh, she got to telling me about a scripture, Revelations uh, 21.4. And I'm like, I read that yesterday, last night. And she was like, yeah. And she got to explaining it to me about the uh, scripture about uh, no pain, no more tears. I don't know about. Yes. Yeah, about uh, uh, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. Um, it, relating to his grandma. Yeah, and it got to and it. It started making me realize that my grandma, she 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 deal with uh, rheumatoid arthritis real bad in all over her body, several spots. To where it left her pretty much bedridden. Yeah, And when she started explaining it to me, I started realizing, okay, well, my grandma's in heaven. She have no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. And she worried about everybody, her grandkids, her kids, her brothers, her sisters, whoever. And uh, now she have all of that's known. And as she further tells me that if something would happen to me that day, if I'd have killed myself like I wanted to, and I'd have been gone, my grandma wouldn't have had no recollection of who I was, what, you know. Yeah, no more worries because your yeah. worries were gone. And if I'd have went to hell, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have knew who I was. So that was one of the things that stuck to me, and I say to myself, I ain't getting left behind. I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely want to see my grandma again, and I definitely don't want to be without her. What I, you know, she turned her life over to God, and I definitely don't want to be without her again. <clears throat> so that, that, that week I come home and got baptized. Yeah, you did. And actually, not only did you get baptized, which I think we have a picture of it. Not only did... Yeah. Look at that guy. But then, we turn around and you baptized your wife. There. Yeah. And then you baptized your sons. Which we had uh, Caden there getting baptized and, and healing. That's a comeback, man. It's a comeback. Then we go into 2015. 2015, you said, was the best, worst year of your life. Oh, uh, Most people don't know. 2015, you were laid off literally from January to May. No job, no income, no nothing. Which for most people would be... Absolute anxiety, hysteria, which there was some of that to a degree. But yet, you just shared how God did more work in those five months than you could even imagine. Yeah. Uh, getting laid off, man, it was, it was rough. You know, but having God in our life, it made it easier. You know, uh, I got laid off for two weeks one time, and it was like crazy. In our house, you know, arguing and fussing and fighting. But getting laid off for almost six months, it was easy. It wasn't even bad. You know, it was like we, we thought about, hey, what are we going to do? We're going to have to turn off the satellite, and I can't watch ESPN. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's that not was, an option. Yeah. Is, I, say, I say that is not happening. We got to do something. I got to have my NFL network. It was not even football season. So, uh, in the, in the, in the, and the, and the craziest thing, I ain't never missed a lick. You know, never had to give nothing up, never had to have the repo man come knock on my door. We actually was able to make it. Now, don't get me wrong, it was super tight. You know, things was tight, but we made it all the way through. Yeah. All the way through. And you're better for it. Oh, much yes. better. I was, I was able to 
go to Bible studies every Friday, life groups, uh, just everything, you know, praying, hanging out with you three or four times in a week, you know what I'm saying? Whew, yeah, just, that was... <laughs> It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> that was a project. <laughs> I, you know, I'm so proud of you guys. Most of you that don't know, too, not only has there been a comeback in y'all's marriage, but God's now using you guys in phenomenal ways. They, they lead our student ministry as well and now pour into all of our students. It's awesome. Thank y'all for sharing. And it's the grace of God. It is the grace of God. All right, let's talk about this joker. Um, well, I can keep going. And we keep going. Yeah. Uh, all right, Billy, why don't you share with us just a little bit of, of kind of your story. I know um, you were, you're, you're an adrenaline junkie, bro. You love adrenaline. You love doing so. stuff. You're hardcore. You are hardcore. Used to be. Yeah. Used to be. <laughs> uh, just for Jesus now. And yeah. so... Uh, it's funny. We're getting ready this morning, this morning, and, and uh, we're, I'm sitting down, sharing a little bit of a story. We're going through it and talking about some drinking things. And Billy goes, "I think I drank with everybody in the church at some point." So, um, so <laughs> there's you got a you know you got a story, and a lot of people a lot of people know your story to, to some degree. But I, you know, there's some pieces probably people don't know. Um, great parents, awesome um, parents, very uh, awesome upbringing. Yes. Um, so why don't you just share yeah. maybe, maybe high school and kind of going into the college years and what that was like? Yeah. Um, like I said, um, a lot of people know my dad. Uh, he was kind of in the spotlight. Uh, devout Christians. Grew up Methodist church. Mom got saved, brought us to uh, a full gospel church. And uh, at that time, I was already starting to rebel. I tried pot at 12, but didn't really get into it. Uh, you needed all your mental faculties to ride ramps and uh, jump things. I was into BMX and stuff like that. Uh, they hadn't really uh, dug their grips into my life yet, but uh, I did experiment. But anyway, mom brings me to church. I'm watching people fall out in spirit and speaking in tongues. And uh, I'm like, what in the hell? I was like, <laughs> I, if this is God, I'm, I don't want any part of it. You know? That time... Me and my mom were starting to battle because, uh, you know, she was she was trying to help me. And I, that lifestyle interfered with what I wanted to do, which yeah. was have a good time and party and and live my way, you know, very stubborn. Um, but at, at that time, I'd only experimented. Uh, I say experimented. I guess we did acid and ecstasy a lot, but uh, it wasn't a problem yet. It was still recreational. Um, right after high school, we moved to Houston, or I moved to Houston, rather. You know, went to the Art Institute of Houston, and I was studying music and video business. And then I met musicians and, uh, and artists and interior designers, and uh, they're an eclectic bunch. They, uh, they know how to party. And they introduced a small-town boy to a whole other list of designer drugs and uh, the really good stuff. And... Uh, I, I fell right in, man. I, I realized that um, that adrenaline that I was seeking, I didn't have to get hurt anymore. I could do it from the you know the comfort of my couch. I could get that same uh, you know death-defying feeling. Uh, I never really felt alive unless I felt like you know something could really happen bad to me. You know, I know that's not a good uh, quality trait to have, but uh, Houston was a bit too much for me. Uh, a little bit too much fun. Uh, so I transferred to LSU um, and uh, majored in fun. I, uh, I had a great a double, time at LSU. A double major <laughs> yeah. in fun. PhD. Yeah. Uh, about that time is when I realized that um, it was no longer fun. Uh, of course, I had a smile on, you know. Um, I always put, I, I carry that fake smile everywhere. He says, I appear to be. 98 and plus percent, uh, I couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. I wear it like five said, like a, like a mask. Uh, I'm also very shy, like doing stuff like this. And uh, people think I'm outgoing and stuff, but that's another uh, mechanism. I think I talk, I start talking a lot when I get nervous. I'm super nervous right now. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I knew I had a huge problem at LSU. Started doing cocaine. Uh, 
I was smoking crack. I was uh, taking. I've done every drug at least twice. I had to make sure the first time I, you know, if I didn't like it, I had to go try it again. Some of them were. But uh, later on, I found out after rehab that uh, they ask you, you know, most addicts have a drug of choice. Uh, I don't. My drug of choice is uh, more or a lot. You know, I, I, can, I can't get enough. Uh, and I started to scare a few friends, started to scare myself. Um, that's when it was time for a change. And at that time, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to be honest, you know, uh, with my father. Uh, he may have still been on the bench. I'm not sure. I just I, I didn't want to let him down. Uh, I didn't want to admit failure to my mother. I was still very stubborn. <laughs> and uh, so it was either rehab or, or something, you know. So I, I joined the Marine Corps, and I got I got rehabbed. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was a pretty good drinker, you know, until I joined the Marine Corps, and then they I went pro, you know. <laughs> they taught me how. To, I wasn't doing I, drugs. Yeah, right? you were no longer drugs, but now right, I was right, drinking. Right. No, um, maybe it was the fear of getting caught, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So you did surgery four years. Uh -huh. You excelled in drinking. Came back home. Yeah. Found a bride. Yeah, I came back home, and the, and the weird thing was, uh, when I, when I got back home, moved to Lafayette, was going to UL. Uh, I picked up drugs again, like it was no big deal, like it was yesterday. That's what's crazy. It's the personality. And then I met my lovely wife, who's right over there, my angel. <laughs> Without my wife, and I mean that literally, uh, I wouldn't be talking to you guys today. And I'm thankful for that. I love you, babe. Uh, I never thought I'd live past 30. Never thought. <laughs> uh, and that's the way I lived. Um, it took me a very long time to uh, even realize that. But back to what you're saying, I'm getting kind of lost. Yeah, so y'all moved to <laughs> South Carolina. Right. And then, and then things just kind of accentuate a lot more. Still, a lot of hiding. Right. Also. I had a yeah. I had a son out of wedlock. He was uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he was living in Wilmington. And Melissa and I, she was she stayed with me throughout all this. You know, she left me hundreds of times, but we thought we could move away from the problem. You know, not realizing the problem was within. Right. And when you're a junkie and a drug addict, uh, you subconsciously find the, the same people. It doesn't matter where you are. I'd be in a three states away. I was in another country one time. Found it was like we speak a, a <laughs> another language that only we understand. Hmm. You don't have to have words. You subliminally like, oh, he gets high. You know, <laughs> you've been doing it as long as I yeah, have. I know. You know so. Oh, he's doing this or whatever. Yeah. But uh, we moved to South Carolina thinking, you know, we'll move away from our troubles. And uh, it just got completely worse. Uh, I moved on to, to painkillers. I was still doing everything else. Not to mention pot. I don't even, pot was like a, I don't know, I smoked pot with coffee in the morning. That was just whatever. It was always there. I didn't even consider it. But things were, things were much, much worse. Uh, I uh, was taking a lot, a lot of opiates. Uh, I was up to about 20, 20 plus a day, mm -hmm. whatever I could get my hands on. Uh, I hated a thief. I was stealing now. Uh, all the things I said I would never do, I was doing. Um, I couldn't stand the person I was. And then my, my pill uh, dealer introduced me to heroin. He, he told me, he goes, uh, you spend a lot of money. you know." I was like, yeah. He said, well, why don't you just... Do heroin? I said, well, from BFE, uh, Louisiana. I don't never. I don't know where heroin is. But, oh, it just so happens I have some, you know. Hmm. So uh, hmm. that was uh, the beginning of the end, pretty much. I loved that, of course. Uh, like I loved everything else. So you did that for a while. Got fired from your job. Oh yeah. Wrecked, wrecked, wrecked the company truck. truck uh, passed out. Uh, I had sideswiped some people and uh, don't remember any of that. So you guys finally came back home. Yeah. Darling. Thinking probably hopefully that will start fixing some things and, <laughs> and it didn't. Return to start. All those things yeah. I said I would never do. Yeah. Like come back to Jennings, uh, all those things. And you're back. I'm here. Uh, and then tell us just about the the incident with your daughter. Yeah. Um, when I came back home, uh, the snowball was huge. 
uh, it was massive. And, uh, man, all the people I grew up with, they, I mean, they knew I liked to have fun, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't fun anymore. It was sick. Uh, I was sick. Um, the good time Billy, everybody knew was, uh, you know, even my partying friends were kind of like, dude, you, you know, you're going a little hard, you know? And, uh, I'd lost some friends to, uh, overdose. My aunt Cecilia's right there. Uh, Lost my first cousin to a drug overdose at 12. There was a bunch of instances in my life that I should have took heed to, but I didn't. Not death. Not uh, getting arrested. Um, But I took my little girl. She was two and asleep in my car. And I took her on a drug deal. Uh, I scored some dope and... uh, I was busted by the cops with her in the car. And as they're taking her away, I was probably the lowest I've ever been in my life. Uh, and you, you would think that that would do it. But uh, I had, it had its hooks in on me. And uh, it took even more than that. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm uh, getting arrested again. Thanks, buddy. And... Uh, this time DUI, everything I do is just uh, escalating. The amounts are getting bigger. And then I had moments of clarity, you know, uh, once, once the thing happened with Gabby, my wife leaves me. uh, And my friend, Amy Touche told me about uh, OSC. So I come here, I meet Pastor Bubba and uh, he starts talking about smoking weed and getting high in the service. And I'm like, so I like this church. I, mean, I might, I might be able to, I might be able to hang out here. This is my kind of church. Right. Well, a lot of people don't come to church because they uh, they feel judged. Yeah. Not by God, but by the congregation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and addicts, addicts, we love guilt. Like we'd, I'd, I'd start fights with my wife or start drama with people, so then I could go back and use and almost justify what you're doing, you know. Um, like subliminally trying to start fights with her. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm out, you know, and I'd go get high. And and she eventually came back. I was going to church, and uh, I was still screwing up. And uh, I would love to say that it's all been uh, confetti falling from the skies and butterflies and pink ponies, and it hasn't been. But uh, uh, it's been a struggle. I still struggle. I'm not perfect. Uh, I still have problems, but once I found the Lord and you surrender to his grace and you realize that you don't have to stay in your addiction, you don't have to, when you fall off the horse, just get right back on. I mean, that's why I'm telling my story. I'm not telling you my story because I'm, I'm on the other side and I'm, and everything's beautiful and, you know, everything's lovely because it's not, uh, I'd, I'd love to say there was some miracle cure, but there's been some instances lately in my life where I can't deny God anymore. I've had a tree man come over at my mother's and he said he had a friend that wanted to, uh, wanted me to talk to him. And I said, look, man, I said, I, there's nothing I can do. I can bring him to church. You know, uh, I don't have some miracle cure in my pocket, but I do know Jesus Christ. Now I do. I do know somebody that can ease his pain. I know somebody you can lay your burdens on and, uh, hopefully get help. Yeah. So what do you, what do you say to the person that's sitting in here or going to be watching this and says, uh, I'm just, I'm too far. Uh, guy, you know, there's just no way guy cannot forgive what I've done. If you only knew, what would you, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, uh, when I started to come back to church, I mean, I thought I was going to spontaneously combust when I walked in the door. I thought I was just going to incinerate, you know, like this is, Everything just catch fire because I was that much of a scumbag. And when you start reading the Bible, you realize that God, God loved the scumbags. Uh, that's the people he wanted to talk to. That's the people he wanted to save. You know, if we didn't need God or we were all perfect, then you know, there would be no churches. Yeah. There, would be no, there would be no need for this. I, I would say to that person that don't live in your shame and guilt. Uh, I did that for years. thought I was unworthy. Thought I was being a hypocrite. Uh, I'd ask for forgiveness when I know I'm going to get high later. Uh, that's okay. Uh, we all fall short. Yeah. I just say stay in the game. Yeah. Look, 
Awesome. Wait for your comeback. Now you you had a you, yeah you had a big moment last year um, because not only you know what we don't realize is when God gives us a comeback he's he's thinking so much beyond just us and of course God would, was taking twenty plus years of, of addiction and and repairing that and healing that and, and bringing wholeness to your family but this past year you got to do something really incredible what was that yeah it was awesome I got to uh, baptize my daughter. Uh, Pastor Josh and yeah, look at that, <clears throat> and, uh, awesome, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't even, you know, that was that was amazing, and uh, I I think you ought to also just surround yourself with a. I, I know that I'm not capable. There was a few times I've tried to help people when I first started coming to church, you know. Then I ended up just getting high with them, so I wasn't quite an example, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I, I know that I, I can't hang around. I've met a lot of great people here. Yeah. yeah. Mike Jardel, where are you? <laughs> we have nothing in common, but I love him. You know, we both serve in the military. He's just lovely. I meet five, I meet all these people that, uh, you got to surround yourself with good people. Cause if you're around scumbags, you're probably going to continue to be a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so, I mean, like share, share the, Let's just kind of wrap it up with the last story that happened yeah. a week ago. So yeah, gonna... just a week ago. Um, there was a guy that I, I used with a lot, and uh, and he, he we've actually, I brought him to church and everything, and uh, he actually knows the Bible more than I do, whatever. He's going through some things right now. And, uh, I left the house that morning, and I, I'd love to tell you that I don't think about drugs and things like that anymore. You know, I'd love to say that, but I... It's true, but the, what God does is he he lessens that burden. Like, it's not a fixation on my mind 100% of the time like it used to be. It's not my full-time job, you know, <laughs> where it used to just be that. But my wife just starts praying for me out of nowhere, I, unbeknownst to me. And I'm, uh, I bump into a guy that, like I said, I used to, we used to have a good time together. And he was going through some things, and he just breaks out every drug pretty much that I loved in his hand and he was you know offering and he had heroin and I hadn't seen heroin since South Carolina you know and I was like wow you know but instead of the old Billy would have you know let's go one more again you know see what she was like uh, I, I didn't do that I felt sorry for him I was seeing what people were trying to tell me or they saw in me for so many years I saw in him I saw a broken guy you know so I prayed for him. We cried together. And uh, it, it was amazing. When I got home, that's, you know, I didn't know. I was telling my wife this story, and she just broke down in tears. I, mean, I, had, I had no idea. Uh, and there's been a few things like that. Like, 20-plus years of using, and uh, I've got a lot of stories. But the only story I want everyone to remember is that people do recover. They do live on. Uh, all you got to do is... Uh, just accept Jesus Christ. That's it, man. Come you'll, on. You'll let it all go. Awesome, awesome. Come on, let's give it up for all these. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Love you, man of God. Love you, love you, love you. Thank you, God. You can be seated where you are. You know, we shared these stories because ultimately we believe that God gives us comebacks, not for us, but he gives us comebacks so that way we can share them. And uh, we know that in this room, there's many of you that may be walking here and, and, and you do like what Five and, and Martha and, and Billy have done and you, you, you put the church face on. We know that. We've all done that. We've all put the church face on. But yet you go home and it's broken and despair and... The only way that you maybe you know how to cope is with some prescriptions or alcohol or we all know that we've all been there, but today can be a comeback for many people. And I, 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 first off, I just appreciate these, all these families that have shared this weekend because I mean, know it took some courage to do that, but if it can give hope to you, then that's what it's there for. Cause our comebacks are not just for us. If, if our comeback can give hope to somebody else to stick it out, fight for their marriage, fight for their family. A wife that's in here that's 
your husband is not here to give hope that your husband can have a comeback or that your your child can have a comeback or that your son or daughter can have a comeback. That's what this is all about. But before God wants to do comebacks for the people that you're believing for, God wants to give you a comeback. And he offers a comeback to every person in this room. And here's the only thing that stands in our way of a comeback. Pride. It's the only thing. If we'll be humble and honest, like Billy had to get, and Five and Martha had to get, you just, I just got to get this out there. This is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at. If we can get that, the Bible says that where there's pride, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And God here today is giving grace, and he wants to give grace to us. So I want us to do this just all across this room. We're going to just close this out. I know it's, we're going a little bit longer, but I just want to close this out. And I just want you just to have a moment. Maybe while they were talking, God was, man, he was just doing something in you. You could just feel, he, this, this isn't just their story. He's doing something to, to write your story. Maybe you've been far away from God for a while. You've been running, and, and, and God's just, he's just calling you. He's saying, come home, come home. Today, I, I want that to be a moment where you can, you can say, you know what, I'm coming home. Today might be the beginning of a comeback for, for many of you in this place. And if that's you, come on, no, nobody looking around. We're going to really make this a, a sacred moment. If that's you in this place, if you would just be honest, would you just raise your hand all across this room? Come on, this is me. Man, hands going up all over the place. Come on. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see your hand. Come on, countless hands going up. Just keep your hand up right there where you are. I just want to pray over you right now. Come on, we just, we're, we're going to be honest about this. God, I, Lord, we pray, Lord, for every person that's got their hand raised right now. God, you know where they are. You know what they need. God, you, you, you have loved them so much. God, I thank you right now, Lord, that there's no mess that they can create that you can't clean up. God, you are in the remodeling business. And I pray right now for fresh starts. I pray, God, that the old passes away and the new comes. God, I pray, Lord, that this would be a defining moment, a historic moment for each one of these people in their comeback. God, I pray, Lord, that you would show them yet again your extravagant love and grace that you have for them. Thank you, God, that in the midst of our failures, God, that you can pick us up and give us a new beginning. So, God, I pray that over each person today, God. I pray that over them. Come on, let's just pray this together. Can you just pray this with them and say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sins. Today, I turn to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I repent of doing things my way. Today I declare that you, are, that you are my Lord and my Savior. I surrender it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give a hand for all those who raised their hand today? Thanks for being here.